Hi there, you're listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. TCC, a home for you. All right, it's good to see everybody this morning. Welcome to Trinity Community Church. You happy to be here? I'm all, can I be honest with you? You're a little sleepy today. First service was bumping. I don't even know what that means. Is that good? Some of the young people are like, eh. It's good to see everybody. Before we get rolling, I want to share one thing real quick. Some of you may have noticed that Pastor Trish has been a little absent from our services on Sunday. The reason that is is we've redeployed her three Sundays a month. She's down at New City. She felt like, gosh, probably about six months ago, God started to whisper to her heart that she wanted to be part of the rebuilding process at New City Church. That is our sister church that's in the city of Wilmington. So she's down there three times a month on loan. So she can come back at some point. Uh, So we're going to pray for her. We're going to love on her. Uh, She's already done a ridiculous job. The church has already done more than stabilized. They've already almost tripled from what they've been over the last month. Because Trisha's got this quality. We call her sticky. She's very sticky. You ever see like a two-year-old that her hands are sticky? People come in and they just fall in love with her. So, Trish, I'm going to ask you to come on up. And if there's any elders here, uh, Trinity elders, come on up. We're going to pray for Pastor Trish real quick. We're going to pray that God continues to bless her and then God continues to bless his efforts down in the city. New City. Actually, it's funny. I had breakfast on Thursday morning at 6 a.m. in the city, and the waitress came over. She goes, I need God. I said, I know where you can find him, New City Church. And we talked and we invited her. Neil, come on, man. Just kidding. <laughs> Neil was in the, he was in the back row. I didn't tell nobody. This is all you hopped right up there. That's impressive. That's younger. If you can stretch your hands, we're going to pray for Pastor Trish and Derek. Father, we love you. We thank you for Trish and Derek, God. Father, we pray right now that Lord, you would give Pastor Trish wisdom, insight, vision, and power. Lord, we pray that Father, she goes down and she starts to rebuild the walls there, Lord God. We pray that God, that you would bless every effort of her hands and of her heart, Lord Jesus. Father, we pray for that church. We pray that God, that church would rise again, Lord God. We pray that it would be a beacon in the city, Lord God. It would be a lighthouse, Lord God, to those that are lost. Father, we pray that you would saturate that place with your love, your power, and your presence. Be with them, Lord, as they do this great work. We love you in your name, and everybody said. Amen. Thank you. Give her a hand. She's amazing. Thank you, guys. One little thought, too, just to kind of put it in your ear. Um, So on the 19th, we have our vision meeting, but that is actually Vision Sunday, too. That means I'm going to teach on vision that week, on the vision of Trinity Community Church. Um, I like to do it a couple times a year so that we are in unity. How many of you know that a church that's unified is powerful? That's why the enemy does everything he can to, to bring disunity. That's why it's our job as believers to, to, to be unoffendable and to push away all the things that the enemy would use to divide us. So don't let him divide you. Don't let the enemy win. So be here that week, and it's going to be great. Um, also, for the Super Bowl party, don't, there's going to be uh, door prizes, all kind of stuff. There's going to be more food than you can imagine, and you get to see the game on this screen. How amazing is that going to be? Right? It's going to be cool. Um, I'm excited, and can I say something real quick to kind of set us up for the month? We're starting a new thing called breakthrough. Uh, breakthrough is important for the life of believers. It's important for everybody, actually. All of us, at times in our lives, get stuck. So what do you do when you get stuck? God, you know, he comes and he brings breakthrough. And understand this. This is one of the biggest attacks and, 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 and schemes of the enemy. One of the biggest schemes of the enemy that we face is us forgetting 
who God really is and what he can really do. And we're going to talk about this entire month. The God that created, you know, the sun, the moon, the stars, the oceans, the mountains, that same God is here this morning to deal with your situations as well. And there's nothing that can happen on the planet that he can't deal with. Nothing. I want to encourage you. Step into faith and believe. Believe. Believe that God is who he says he is. I heard this little rumor, and I don't know if it's true. I'm pretty sure it's true. I heard that the Philadelphia Eagles are going to the Super Bowl. Is that true? My brother in his Eagles. Every time I see you, you're in your Eagles gear. Let's pray that. Oh, by the way, next week, if you're coming and you watch the Super Bowl, wear your colors, whatever your colors are. I will be preaching in black and gold next weekend. You're welcome. So I don't know if you were like me, but last week I, my eyes were glued to the TV screens. I knew that your Eagles were going to beat the 49ers. I don't care who their quarterback is. You guys just have a tough team. And you guys had a blowout, and we all know what happened. But then that second game was weird. You had the Bengals and you had the Chiefs. And they fought that thing down, and it was a battle. How many of you watched that game? You're like, because you want to see who you're playing, right? And the weirdest thing happened in that game. It was just crazy. The game, it was so tight. Coming down to the wire, it was almost going to be an overtime. This play happened with this young man, Joseph Osiah, who's 6'4", 260 pounds, 22 years old. He's a linebacker, plays for the Cincinnati Bengals. Actually, like a D-lineman, like a hybrid D-lineman. And as Mahomes is getting ready to run out of bounds, this athlete, this kid for his whole life that's been training for this moment to get to the place to be able to compete for a Super Bowl makes a mistake. Patrick Mahomes steps out of bounds, and when he's out of bounds, this young kid pushes him out of bounds while he's already out. They throw a 15-yard penalty. That brings him up for a little kick. They kick the ball. The Chiefs win. And as I'm watching the TV, the TV cameras kept focused on this young man who was sitting on the bench. And at first, he's sitting there all by himself, and his hands, his head is in his hands. There's tears streaming down his face because he made a mistake that cost his team the Super Bowl. And again, if that wasn't enough, then you watch the cameras. Follow, how many of you saw this? Follow this young man into the locker room, and as he's going into the locker room, his own teammates are trashing him. Now, I understand they're full of emotions. How could you do this? That was the dumbest thing ever. And this kid's got his head down, and he doesn't know what to do. And if that's not enough, after the game, they're interviewing these young men, 20-year-old men, in the locker room, and his head's down. You can tell his eyes are puffy. He's been crying. You like some of you girls, you watch a Hallmark movie. He's crying. His eyes are, you know. And thank God he had a teammate next to him. And one of the reporters goes, what's it feel like to know that you let your whole team down? And he, I, I don't know. I just, and then, well, how, how are you living with yourself knowing that you screwed everything up for your team? And thank God one of his teammates came in, and he was like, listen, man, give this kid a break. He's human. He was pushing guys away. And my heart was completely broken watching this kid. I mean, this kid was absolutely crushed. How many of you know that nobody sets out to fail? He worked his tail off just like everybody else. And to be this kid that worked his tail off, he made a mistake. All of us make mistakes, but how many times do you make a mistake that costs your team a trip to the Super Bowl? He makes that play nine times out of ten. It ain't nearly as weighty as it is on this last Sunday. And this kid's absolutely crushed. He got so close, but he still came up short. Then I started to think about this. 
You know, there's 32 teams in the NFL. 32 teams. Each team has 53 players on their roster. That means this. In the NFL, there's about 1,700 athletes in the NFL. All of them competing for the same thing, a chance to win a Super Bowl. That's why they get out in the summer. That's why they lift their weights. That's why they run around and then they get into good shape. That's why they train their bodies. That's why they put their bodies out there. And it's like, it's like a car crash every week. If you ever played football, I remember playing football in high school. You've got, you've got bruises all over your body. You've got pains and you've got aches. Some of these guys will play, you know, and they'll have a, a five to 10 year career in the NFL. And that five to 10 years will cost them pain for the rest of their lives. Why do they do this? because they want to win a Super Bowl. And of all the teams and all the people that play, only one team wins every year. Only 53 athletes get to lift that trophy. So what does it take for a team to win, to, to beat all the obstacles and to win the Super Bowl? What does it take a team, you know, what does a team have to have for them to move past the adversity, to move past the ups and the downs and all the uncertainty and to break through and to win a championship? What does it take? We don't know yet. We'll find out next week, huh? We'll see if the Eagles have what it takes. And you know what's funny? You're not going to be the only ones watching. Do you know how many people watch the Super Bowl? 193 million people watch the Super Bowl every year. Every continent watches the Super Bowl. Everyone. 193 million people. Why do so many people watch a game? Well, sometimes these sporting events, they take on a life that's bigger than the game. It's more than just winning the ring. It's what you've overcome to get to that place. It's breakthrough. I think all of us as humans are captivated by breakthrough because all of us have areas in our life where we need to experience breakthrough. That's why I think these stories affect us so deeply. Overcoming something is connected to all of our stories. We all love to watch breakthrough, but here's the problem. You can't have breakthrough without an obstacle. Hello? You can't have a great hero story without an obstacle, without a villain, without something to oppose you. If you don't have that opposition, it's not breakthrough. It's called Tuesday. Right? But none of us want obstacles, do we? We all want breakthrough, but nobody, nobody wakes up and says, Lord, it would be great if you can give me six obstacles today. Bring me, Lord, six people that are going to drive me bananas. Lord, make it tough for me, really tough, so that your glory and your awesomeness can be displayed in my life. Nobody prays that. But the reality is that's what our lives are. What did Jesus tell us? Before he left, he gave us these beautiful words. In this world, you will have trouble. It's a scripture you'll never find on a Christian greeting card. In this world, you will have trouble. Happy birthday. Never. He knew what was coming. And notice the trouble doesn't come just to non-believers. Did he differentiate between us and, and those that don't know Jesus? No. It's a common thread around all of humanity. You will have trouble, but he said to, his, to his, his believers, take heart, I have overcome the world. That means this, all of us have obstacles in our lives. And when it comes to obstacles, listen to this, beloved. They're things that either, they either define us or they defeat us. Obstacles either lead to your greatest victories or your most crushing defeats. Only one of two things can happen with an obstacle. We all have them, and they shape us more than we realize. 
I remember years ago, and some of you know my story. I didn't grow up in the church. I grew up in the Greek Orthodox Church. We weren't as, as free as Trinity is in worship and stuff like that, but I can tell you this, we ate a whole lot better. We just did. And uh, I remember in 10th grade, I was invited to a youth group by Chuck Ryan. He was a big offensive tackle for our school. He was like 6'5", 280. I went to church with him because I didn't want him to rip my arms off. He was a senior. Went there, gave my heart to Christ. And God started to change the direction of my life. For years, when I was a little kid, my mother would speak into me. She wanted me to be a veterinarian. I was a little kid, you're going to be the cutest little chunky Greek veterinarian they've ever seen. And my whole life, I wanted to be a veterinarian, even though I didn't really like animals. Go figure. So I remember, you know, in 10th grade, I gave my heart to Christ. In 11th grade, God said, TJ, I want you to do, I want you to pastor for me. And I remember coming home, and my parents had, had different, they had different responses to my new revelation. My mother wept bitterly because I was supposed to be a veterinarian. My dad's immediate response was something that I was used to. He looked at me and he said, he said, you're going to be a pastor. He says, you'll never do it. He goes, you're not smart enough. And I, you know, he had good reasoning for that. There were no Harrises that had ever gone to college. I'm a second generation immigrant. My grandfather got here. He was a 12 year old stowaway from Greece. Couldn't read or write English or Greek. He could communicate in Greek. That was all. And he made a life for himself. So no Harris's had ever done that. In fact, my dad was one of those guys, he was amazing at finding all the reasons why something wouldn't succeed. Do you have anybody like that in your life? And one of the things, one of the dominant things that he said all the time in, in, in my life was he would tell me all of my shortcomings. One had to do with my intelligence. And I didn't realize it, but it affected me. But somehow, someway, I couldn't get this tug out of my heart from what God wanted me to do. So I went off to college. I ended up going to Southeastern University. At that point, we had schools everywhere. There's one in Valley Forge where my youngest son's at right now, um, an old military hospital. There's one back in the day, or they're still there, in uh, Springfield called Evangel. But I felt God called me strongly to the school that's in Florida because it was so close to the beaches and <laughs> Mickey and things like that. I remember going to school, and I was terrified. I was terrified and I was 100% sure I was going to fail. And I believed in my heart because of my limitations that I had to work harder than anybody else. I remember my first semester, I would literally, I would go to school, I would go to work, and I would study my guts out. My friends would go get a milkshake. I didn't have time for that. The weekends, all I did was study because in my head, I believed I wasn't enough to stay there. And it was absolutely crazy. And I remember my first semester was coming to an end and they were putting grades out and I was terrified when the grades were going to come out because my goal was this, to stay in college as long as I possibly could. That was it. And this crazy thing happened. I got my grades for my first semester and I had a 4-0. I had straight A's. And for the first time in my life, I had this thought. TJ, perhaps you're not too dumb to do this. Perhaps you're not too dumb to walk this path out. That was my moment of breakthrough. From that point on, I realized God could do anything. And from that point on, I realized maybe some of the stuff that I've allowed to be spoken over me to define me isn't really the truth. Now, I know this, beloved, 
That's probably not just my own unique story. I'm sure this house is filled with stories that sound just like that. Things that were spoken over you, limitations, things that you just didn't understand. I know this, all of us have things in our lives that can keep us from becoming the people that God wants us to be. Obstacles have a way of shaping our thinking. They can keep you bound. They can bring things into your life like fear and depression. All of those things, regardless of the obstacle, God's heart for you is the same. God's heart for you is this simply. He wants you to experience freedom and breakthrough. Derek talked about that a little bit today. So what needs to happen for us to experience breakthrough in our lives? Well, this entire month, we're going to talk about what that looks like. Today, we talk about something very strategic and very important. Breakthrough starts in your life in one place. Everybody take your fingers, point them at me. Now put them on your temples. Breakthrough starts in your mind. The gray matter that's between your ears, that's where it starts. The Bible says this, as a man thinks, so he is. So today, we're going to talk about what it means to get breakthrough in the way that you think. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 12. We're going to start at verse 2. If you have our app, you get all of my notes. If you have the U version of the Bible, you get all my notes. We're going to burn through a lot of Scripture today, so I think you should uh, try to save these things. Romans 12.2 says this. Don't copy the behavior or the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you'll learn to know God's, perf- or God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. I'll read the verse again. That was from the New Living Translation. This is the same verse in the Passion Translation. Listen to how this is flowered out. It's so cool. It says, stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. That's God's heart for you, to live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. So what can we learn from this passage when it comes to experiencing breakthrough? By changing the ways that we think. First is this. Transformation of your mind, allowing God to transform the way you think, starts first in one place. It starts with your focus. Where do you focus? Where is the focus of your thoughts in your mind? Now when I say focus, what do I mean? Focus is simply this. Where do you look to for your source of strength, for your source of inspiration? What is the thing that you are pointing toward with your life? Focus is the place that we put our our hearts and our affections towards. And it's important where you focus. Why? What you focus on, you'll become. Let me say that again. What you focus on, you'll become. Here's the reality of your lives. The Creator made you for a purpose. He created you to be something. You're a human being. He created you to embody something. And what happens is this. God starts to unlock that purpose in your life, in us, through observation and through experience. He puts a tug in our heart. And then that's when the rest of our our creative nature takes over. You know, for example, all of us remember, you know, when you see a little kid, what do you ask them, you know, if they're playing house or something like that? If you ever ask a little kid, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? How many of you were asked that question when you were a kid? It's something that we pass along. And, you know, maybe they say, I'm going to be a fireman. I'm going to be an astronaut. I'm going to be a chef, right? And, you know, what do you do with little Jimmy that wants to be a fireman? 
you know, you get them little firemen stuff. You get them a fire truck. Get them a hat. Get them all these things, you know. I remember we were little Tyler. He, you know, Robin, you know, she's a trained dancer. And, you know, Tyler, I want to dance. I said, well, here's a football. Dance with that. Here you go. All of us have these aspirations to be something. So what happens is this. We feed this to each other because that's how we're, we're born. And slowly but surely, our lives start to orient around those things. Starts as a tug, and then we start to feel the thing that we feel in our hearts. So at some point, you know, from junior high to high school, we sit with a guidance counselor, and they say, well, what do you want to be when you grow up? And we tell them. And then they start to orient our classes around those things. So we start to move from just a thought into education. And then you move from education. At some point, you move into this practical thing, and you start to embody and follow around these people that actually do this thing. And you ask questions, and you start to, to create a career for yourself, a life for yourself. All of this comes from your focus. We become what we focus on. Then you do something. What are you focusing on? Now, the challenge is this when it comes to your spiritual life. Some of you struggle. You struggle to win the war of your mind because you're focused on the wrong things. Know this, beloved. Whether you realize it or not, you are focused on something. Well, I really don't have a focus at all, Pastor. I really, you do. Trust me, you do. Left to our own devices, we always lean toward brokenness. And if you don't intentionally focus on the things that God has for you in your life, this is what happens. We have a tendency to look inside and we can magnify our brokenness, our shortcomings. Some of you are experts at finding all the dirt in your life and looking right past the gold. Focus. Some of you, your Christian walk exists. It sounds like this. You go to God every day, and all you do is talk to God about all the ways you stink. God, help me be better at this. Help me be better at that. Help me be better at this. And all you do is focus on the negative, focus on the negative, focus on the negative, focus on the negative. Some of you have been so focused on the negative, you don't realize the positive things that God's done in your life. You see the dirt, and you miss the gold. What you focus on, you'll become. Beloved, be mindful of your focus. Be careful with your focus. Focus is important to your faith. It is. Your faith begins, again, and sustains by how you focus. And this is the beautiful thing about the gospel. The Bible's very clear. It tells us to focus wholeheartedly on one thing, Jesus. But we get into trouble. You know why we get into trouble in the church? You know why we get disillusioned in the church? Because how many of you know in this building, this building is loaded with hypocrites? Somebody call the Orkin man, we have an infestation. Right? How many of you have ever been hurt by the church? Can I put my feet up too? How many of you have been disillusioned by, disappointed by somebody in the church? Bunch of hypocrites. I talk with people all the time who have been hurt by the church. Do you know why we get disillusioned with our faith sometimes? Our focus is wrong. God never told you to lock your focus on any person. Your focus is on him. Guys, can I tell you something? We're, we're friends here. I will fail you. I said it. Now, not in the chili cooking contest. I'm one and oh, baby. 
come get me. <laughs> that should drum up some business. I will, I will disappoint you. I'll break your heart. You know why? I'm fallible. People in here will break your heart. I should never be your focus. Never. Now we follow, you know, Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. But we don't just follow Paul. You just don't follow TJ. You follow Jesus. Our eyes have got to be fixed on him. Hebrews 12, 2 puts it this way. Let us, not, let us look only to Jesus, the one who began our faith and the one who makes it perfect. That Greek word, word for perfect means this, complete. God is the one that completes your faith. Not me, not podcast that you're listening to, not a book. It's God. So here's the challenge. Sometimes we look at people to fill that hole instead of Jesus himself. Nobody can fill that hole except Jesus. You have to follow him. And this is the best thing about our God, man. Not only does he say, look to me, but he gives you an invitation to be close with him. What kind of God does that? An open invitation that is not dependent on how you feel that day or the long list of failures you have in your past. Do you know that your connection with God, your closeness to God, the invitation that God gives you is not dependent on how bad you used to be. He tells us to come to him as we are. And we have an open invitation to come and to talk with him and to take our brokenness to him, the only one that could do anything with it. Ephesians 3.12 puts it this way. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. We come to him as sons and daughters and those that are in need. You don't need a middleman. You have the source. So here's the question. Where's your focus? Some of you are here today and you've been hurt by the church. God wants to heal those things. He wants to, though, lift your, your eyes off of your hurt and your pain and lock them onto him. Where's your focus? Shut your eyes for a second. <clears throat> I just want you to take a minute. Talk to the Holy Spirit. And just ask him that question. Say, Holy Spirit, is my focus on you. And listen to what he tells you. For us, transformation starts with focusing on God. Now, now here, here's reality. And you can look at me now. Every once in a while in our faith, you're going to lose your way. You're going to get disillusioned. You're going to get confused. Now, this is the beautiful thing about our faith. If you ever get confused, you ever lose your way, you ever get disillusioned, go back to the source. Ask Jesus to help to realign you. And this is what I do. I open the book and I read the Gospels again. I fall in love with Jesus again. I read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I understand and I know the person of Jesus. It's funny sometimes Jesus, who he is, and me being, trying to be like Jesus are two completely different things. What have you heard me say before? If Jesus is going this way and I'm going this way, if you're going the opposite way of Jesus is, you're always wrong. Well, maybe you're always wrong. You're never right, and that's okay. So you follow Jesus. Why? What you focus on is what you become. That's the first thing. If you want to experience breakthrough, you start there. The second thing is this. 
It's very important, not just to where you focus, but what you feed yourself, what you feed your mind. What you feed yourself can keep you in bondage or can create spiritual breakthrough for you. What you feed your spiritual man is very important. Look at the passage. This is cool. It says this. Stop imitating the ideals and the opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit. Who transforms you? The Holy Spirit. Be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. The Holy Spirit transforms you. The Holy Spirit changes the way you think. As you feed yourself the Spirit, the things of the Spirit, transformation will happen. We're all feeding ourselves something. Whether you realize it or not, all of us are eating spiritual food. The things that you set your attentions and your affections on, those are the things that you feed yourself, and those are the things that affect the course of your life. What you feed yourself spiritually matters, and what you feed yourself physically matters. We're a product of what we take in. I remember a few years ago, I was, um, I was trying to, to lose some weight. How many of you know this? If you can give me a pill that I can take once a day that will, that will enable me to eat anything I want. If I take that pill, I'll lose weight. I will buy that pill. Is anybody in here like that? Why? Because we want the easy road, right? So I remember I was probably in my late 20s, early 30s. They came out with this thing called HydroxyCut. How many of you remember, remember HydroxyCut? Right? The commercials, you remember? I remember seeing a commercial, and there was this dude that made the Hulk look like a stick figure. And he told me on the commercials that he took hydroxycut. And you know, I believe him. It's a good looking, but he looks very truthful to me. So I went and I bought a bottle of this hydroxycut. You know, and it comes with warning signs, but how many of you know you don't need to read the warnings? Because, you know, the good looking cut TJ's coming. So I read the warnings and I read all the stuff, and they, they recommended that you start your hydroxycut regiment with taking two hydroxycuts right out of things. So I put two in my hand. I didn't have anything to drink. Robin was drinking. I'm not making this up. She had a Mountain Dew energy drink. As if Mountain Dew needed more stuff in it. It's like, let's put some plutonium in the plutonium. You know what I'm talking about? So I, I took these two hydroxycuts. I had not eaten anything all day. I, I washed them down with this Mountain Dew energy drink. And I waited for the magic to happen. I can almost feel the fat just rolling right off my body. And I'll never forget this. About a half an hour to my experience, I started to sweat, and my heart started to beat uncontrollably. How many of you remember seeing the movie Jumanji? My heart was like, do-do-do-do-do-do, and I was like, I thought I was going to die. And Rob was like, what's going on? I'm like, I don't know, baby. I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make it. She called the doctor. What do we do? What did he take? Hydro Why is he taking hydroxychloroquine? I don't know. It's in him. What do we do? And I'm laying on the couch, and I'm having like open visions. I'm seeing children I even had yet, you know. Tell them I said, we had a good run. And it was the worst experience of my life. And I literally thought I was going to die. The doctor said, get some water in you, dilute that thing, lay on the couch, and don't do anything. And I remember, I finally, after a few hours, came to my senses. I took that bottle. I didn't throw it away. You know what I did? I buried it. Because I didn't want anybody getting a hell of this stuff because you could die like plutonium. It affected my whole body. Never took it again. But I found a better pill. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's actually, they put it in a Twinkie, and it's amazing. <laughs> 
Here's the point. What you take in affects you. Uh, before I say this, everybody say, Pastor TJ. Say, we love you because Jesus said we had to. Okay, so I'll make sure we're good here. Some of you are deeply troubled today because you're feeding yourself the wrong things. You're feeding yourself the wrong things. Some of you are afraid. You're stuck in this turmoil. You don't know what to do because you're feeding yourself the wrong things. What you feed yourself is a big deal. And let me just say this. Just because it says it's Christian doesn't mean it's a good thing for you to feed yourself with. I remember one time I came home. My dad was living with us. And um, I came home and there were 15 boxes on our porch, big boxes. And I thought to myself, somebody ordered something. I was praying to God it wasn't Robin on the Amazon. So I walk in and I said, hey, Dad. I said, did you notice the boxes outside? He goes, oh, they're here. I said, Dad, what's here? He said, well, I was watching the preacher on TV, and he told me that the end was coming, and I needed to buy survival food. So I got this great deal. I said, what deal did you get, Dad? My dad's on a fixed income. He said, well, for only $2,000, I got all the survival food. I said, well, Dad, that's just great. And I just shook my head. He even got a Christmas card from the ministry. Thank you so much for your I threw it away. Dad never saw it. Just because it says it's Christian doesn't mean that that should be your focus. What you feed yourself, you become. This is why we need discernment, beloved. This is why you need to be locked on to who God is. How many of you are on um, social media? Some of y'all need to get off social media because it's driving you crazy. I'm taking a social media break. Well, not for Facebook Marketplace because I love that thing. I made a purchase this week. I'm saving money for the family by spending it. It's great. I was, uh, oh gosh, right around before Christmas. I was talking with a friend online, another pastor, and he, he was saying some crazy stuff that just was digging into my heart. And we would talk offline. And, and again, he's a, he's a pretty big deal. He leads a big church. I'm like, man, I said, you say this stuff. I said, you're leading people this. And, 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 and we just, we didn't have an agreement of things. And then I found this thing that I started to do. I'd wake up in the morning and, and I would go right to see what he posts. You ever do that? Somebody gets under your skin, let's see. What, I, you, you said what? You did what? And I found this. I found this happening to me. You know, I'm arguing with this guy that, 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 that should know better, but I'm becoming angrier I'm becoming hyper-focused, and I'm unsettled with everything that this, this dude does. So I take it to Jesus, and this is what my, my taking it to Jesus sound like. Lord, can you change that fool's mind? Can you take him and make him better? Because obviously he's wrong. I'm like, Lord, I need your help with this. I felt the Holy Spirit say, I can help you with this, TJ. I said, great, Lord. What are you going to do? Smite, kill, you know, bludgeon? What are you going to do? He says, take a break. Like you're to break a leg? Break what? Take a break. He doesn't need to be your focus. I'm your focus. So I took a social media fast. I'm still on it. And you know what happened? I had this angst in me. I had this like nastiness. I didn't know what to do with this unsettledness. Instead of looking at social media, now I, I just put my nose in the book. I read the Bible. And now I have peace. I have stability. I don't care what he's doing. It's not about him. It's about what God's doing in me. And my entire life has shifted. 
Some of you have got to unplug from some of that stuff and plug into the source that matters. Who's the source that matters? It's God. Get your nose in the book. Read the words of Christ for yourself. Read the Bible for yourself. I'm not talking about a podcast about a guy that talks to you about the Bible. I'm talking about the Bible. Let the Holy Spirit direct you. That stuff's fine. I'm a book nerd. I love podcasts. I love all that stuff. None of that replaces your eyes on the pages. It doesn't. Get your nose in the book. Allow the word to come alive in you. The word is strong enough, it stands on its own. It does. Part of our faith is reading something in the Bible and asking the Holy Spirit, Lord, show me what this means. The Bible says the Holy Spirit will lead us into what? All truth. All truth. Get your nose in the book. Immerse yourself in worship. We were at a, a family's house this week, and it was beautiful. We are having dinner, and I could hear worship music playing in the background, and I'm like, all right, there's peace in this house. I love that. Set the environment. Everything around you is feeding you, beloved. Make sure you're feeding yourself the right thing. Focus on him. And as you focus on him, it'll transform the way that you think. It'll transform everything that you are. Psalm 119, 15 says this. I will fix my mind on your instructions and my eyes on your path. Psalm 119.11 says this, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So here's the big question. What are you feeding yourself? Some of you are losing the war of your mind because you're feeding yourself spiritual garbage. I've got good news for you this morning. You have the power to change. The things that you feed on are the things that will impact your faith deeply. Jesus talked about this, and he said something very interesting. In, uh, in Matthew 6, 22, he put it this way. Listen to the words of Jesus. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. You draw light into your body through your eyes, and light shines out to the world through your eyes. So if your eye is well and shows you what is true, then your whole body will be filled with light. But if your eye is clouded or evil, then your body will be filled with evil and dark clouds. And the darkness that takes over the body of a child of God who has gone astray, that is the deepest, darkest darkness there is. Sometimes we read this, we think, oh yeah, that's you know, unbelievers. That's geared toward us. So what are you taking in? What are you feeding yourself? If you want to experience breakthrough in your life and how you think, Feed yourself the right things. Feed yourself the right things. Now, I have one more. It's a pep-up thing. This is great. When it comes to feeding yourself spiritually, you and I, the church, we have a mighty ally. Our mighty ally is the Holy Spirit. As believers, the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, and, and he becomes a gatekeeper in our life. He shows us, he kind of, he, he gives us this beautiful gift called discernment. And he shows us the things that are good and the things that are yeah, whoa. Have you ever like been around something and you feel the Holy Spirit and you go, whoa? Now sometimes we discern that thing the wrong way. Sometimes you get that little check in your spirit and you immediately go, run, and you run the other way. God, the Holy Spirit, the gatekeeper in your life, sometimes just perks up in you to say, be careful. I told you the story, you know, I'd, I'd gone down to, uh, to this concert uh, in, in, in Chicago with one of our sound guys that wasn't a believer yet in our church in Illinois. And, and his, his buddy's band was a Marilyn Manson cover band. And I'm there in my polo shirt. Hey, guys. And I told you, I was down there, and this, and this guy kept circling me all night. 
And eventually he came up to me. He's like, what? He goes, what are you doing here? You don't belong. And I'm like, what was your sign? The pink polo shirt and khakis? And uh, I said, he goes, I said, what do you mean? He goes, I can't even look at you. You're radiating light. He said, you don't belong in here. I said, of course I belong here. I said, light always dispels the darkness. And you know what he did? He ran. The Holy Spirit inside of us, that's what he does. He gives us discernment. He leads us into all those things that we feed ourselves. He's active. And he's helping us with what we eat spiritually. This is what Romans 8, 6 says. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. If you feed your mind the broken parts of spiritualness, humanity, it'll lead to death. But letting the Holy Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Peace for us is the potting soil for God's revelation. That's God speaking to us. And peace is also the gauge in us that speaks to us God's pleasure, his heart in our life. You could be in the midst of the worst storm on the planet and be at peace, knowing that you're right exactly where God wants you to be. Peace, it all comes from the Holy Spirit. What are you feeding yourself? If you want to experience breakthrough in how you think, you have to have the right focus. You have to have the right food, but that's not it. You have to take one more little step in order to do this. And unfortunately, this is where most of us as believers stop. This is why we don't get to experience breakthrough. We'll have the right focus. We'll feed ourselves the right things, but we fail to take the step of faith. We lose the faith portion of it. Why is it important for us to have an element of faith when it comes for us to experience breakthrough in how we think? Well, we forget this sometimes. God transforms you for a purpose. He just doesn't change you for the sake of changing you. He changes you and he transforms you and he empowers you as a believer to do something. Look at the passage. This is cool. It talks about transformation. It says this. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying, perfect in his eyes. It's God's heart that you live your life out according to his purpose. That means this. For us, Christianity is more than just this personal inward experience. God created you to do something. He empowered you to live a life beyond your personal purpose. He created you to be a change agent for the kingdom. You can't do that without having transformation in how you think. God has to change the way you think and you'll never get it done. There's a beautiful story in the Bible that involves Jesus, a desperate father, a sick boy, and the disciples still trying to figure it out. Do you ever, want, do you ever laugh like when you read the Gospels? The, desire, the disciples are always like two steps behind Jesus, right? And then we think, well, I would have picked that up way quicker. No, you wouldn't have. You'd have been in the same boat. But that would be three steps behind the disciples, right? This is the story. It's a great story. Matthew 17. Sometimes we miss the focus of the story, but we need it. Matthew 17 says this, starting in verse 14. When they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and he knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son. He said, he has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire, into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't heal him. There's a couple little pieces here that are important. How many, how many parents do we have in here? What wouldn't you do for your children? If you had a sick child and you knew where to go for them to be healed, what wouldn't you do to help them? So you have this, 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 this father 
And he does what he knows what to do. He hears about this Jesus and the disciples. So he takes his sick son and he goes to the disciples because the disciples are part of Jesus. And he gives them to Jesus and the disciples pray. And what does the Bible say? They couldn't, they couldn't heal him. They couldn't get it done. So Jesus has this response in verse 17. You unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here. Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of the boy and he was healed at that moment. Now when I read that, I initially think, well, Jesus, that's a little harsh. Got this desperate dad and the boy. I mean, and then as I started to read the story, I realized something. Who was Jesus talking to about the the unbelieving, perverse generation. Was he talking to the, to the, to the boy and, and the kid and the dad? No. Who was he talking to? The disciples. How do we know that? Well, look at verse 19. It says, the disciples came to Jesus in private. You know why they came to him in private? They're like, I think, can you hear like Peter and John, uh, uh, Peter? I, I think we may have screwed up. Some of you, how many of you, you were married? And you know that you upset your spouse, but you have no idea what you did, when you did it, or how you did it, but you know they're not happy. And you're afraid to ask them what you did because how many of you know you should know better? Right? <laughs> He's waving his hands. <laughs> yeah. The disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, why couldn't we drive it out? And he replied, because you have so little faith. Truly, I tell you, if you had the faith as small as a mustard seed, you could say this mountain, move from here to there. And it'll move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Now, what's funny is this. This is not the first time the disciples had trouble with the demon. Remember the other time they had trouble with the demon? And they're like, why can't we get this one out? What did Jesus tell them? This one only comes out with prayer and fasting. But he didn't say that here, did he? What did he say? Where was the issue? The disciples. You have so little faith. So here's my question for you. What does your faith have faith for? What does your faith have faith for? Is your spiritual faith, your Christian faith, is it just an intellectual pursuit? Does it make you a good person? Does it make you better? Does it help you to feel squeaky clean? Or did God give you a faith for something more? Something beyond you. What does your faith have faith for? Hebrews puts it this way. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Faith is the, is the assurance of things that you've hoped for, the absolute conviction that there are realities you've never seen. Do those words embody your faith? Absolute conviction. Can I just throw something out there? I think sometimes we struggle with our walk with God because we don't approach him with absolute conviction. Our faith is lacking faith. We haven't fully allowed the Holy Spirit to transform the way that we think to the point of believing that God can do anything he says he can do. Do you believe that? According to this verse, all it takes is a mustard seed to level a mountain. What does your faith have faith for? Do you give yourself limitations? 
All of us give ourselves limitations. Why, you know, why? Why do we give ourselves limitations? When you have limitations to your faith, it means this. That means that you're still stuck in the flesh doing the things that only humans can do. And let's just be real. If you do the things that you know you can do, well, that's not faith at all, is it? To have faith, you have to have an element of the unknown, the stepping out. So how do you change the way that you think when it comes to faith? How do you change the battle of your mind? It's not enough to just have your focus on Jesus. It's not enough just to listen to all the worship stuff. That Maverick City, did you hear that? They're awesome. It's not enough to, to, to hit every day on your devotions for the Bible app. That's not enough. At some point, you have to step into something. You have to step out into faith and activate all the things that God put in your heart. If you don't activate it, then why did you do all of it? You really don't know what's inside of you until you step out into faith, until you do it. You don't really, oh, are you ready for this? You don't really know God as your healer, as Jehovah Rapha, until you've watched him heal. You don't know God as your deliverer until you've watched him deliver, whether you or somebody else. You have to step into it. You have to have an action with it. You have to allow yourself to see the things that he could do in and through you. You have to take a step of faith. You have to take a step. But it's tough sometimes to take that step. Bless you. Because the enemy is so good at telling us all the things that we can't do. And we get frustrated. I remember years ago, I was at a church in uh, Pittsburgh. I was a worship guy and a youth guy. And uh, for whatever reason, God just started to, to, to breathe on our youth group. So about a couple hundred people in the church and our youth group had about 300 kids. It was nuts. And I served with a, with a good pastor, he was a good guy. But I think he was just battling maybe some depression and stuff. He'd tell me all the time, the guy to replace was his best friend. He'd say, you know, the guy that before you, he was my best friend. I'd, I'd go, thank you, Pastor. And I remember I was wrestling with what God was doing with my life. and I didn't know what to do, so I sat in his office one day. And um, I said, Pastor, I think God's doing these things. He goes, great, I agree. Your last day will be the end of the month. And I was like, well, I, I didn't think we were going that way, but I guess we're going that way. And it kind of shook me. So then I went home and Robin goes, I got great news. We're pregnant. I went, what? So um, the month was over. I left the church and I didn't know what to do. So I, I, you know, I traveled a little bit, did some like speaking and some worship at places. Um, how many of you have ever been hurt by the church? That's where I was at. So to supplement the income, I got a job. I worked at a pet store. I liked fish. I was a, I was a saltwater specialist at a pet store, and I did that. And you know what? I, I thought at that point, maybe my mother was right. Maybe I should have been a veterinarian, because how many of you know fish don't talk? Right? So I'm doing my thing, and we're going to a little church where my mom goes to church at, my mom and dad. It's a small little church. And I'm just a hard worker, so I'm there. And the guy that owned the pet store, he owned six of them. And he, he, he saw me and he liked what I was doing. And he said, listen, man, he goes, I want to put you into the company. He goes, I want to make you a manager of this pet store. And he goes, in two years, you're going to be the regional, but you're going to be over all the stores. And I was so excited. I was so excited. I went and I told my pastor. 
I sat down with them. I said, Pastor Gary, this is what's happening. God has done some really cool things, and it's great. And I'm going to be a manager this year, and, and then I'm going to manage all these pastors. It's going to be great. And he just listened, and he smiled, and he shook his head. I said, what do you think? He said, well, I got, I got one question for you, team. He said, and just look at me. He goes, do you think that God created you to be the manager of a pet store? And I looked at him. I didn't know what to do. And I put my head down and I started to cry. He said, TJ, he said, it's been beautiful to have you here. And it's good to see you heal and grow. He said, son, your healing isn't going to be complete until you step back in and become the person that God wants you to be. Now, maybe God called you to be the manager of a pet store. That's great. That's not what he called me to do. And then he did this crazy thing. For the next half hour, he started to speak into my life all the things that he saw in me that I didn't see in me. TJ, you're this. TJ, you're this. TJ, you're this. And I just cried like a baby for about a half an hour. Then I remember standing up and he looked at me and says, TJ, it's time now for you to take that step again. And I was terrified. I was terrified. I mean... God, did you really do the work in me? And I remember I went to work at a little church in, in Chicago. And I remember the first time I stepped on the platform on staff. It's a little, like a hundred people. I'd spoken to thousands before. And I, and I shook like a leaf. I was terrified. And after I took that step of faith, God started to change the way that I thought. He brought transformation. And little by little, he continued to bring me along. That's what God does. But faith activates the work does. Some of you have to take that step of faith. What does that mean for us? You're not going to experience breakthrough, beloved, until you're ready and you're willing to take that step. For some of you, God has been speaking to your heart about new things that he wants to do in your life. Take the step of faith. Experience breakthrough. Some of you are here and you've been sick for a long time and you can't get victory over it. Today's the day to take the step of faith. Trust God in his word. Allow the word to transform your mind. Take the step of faith and see what he does. Some of you are here and you're just stuck. You're stuck in your faith. Don't just stay in the seat. Take a chance and see what he does. Bow your heads. In a second, we're going to call the ministry teams up and you're going to have an opportunity to press in and experience breakthrough. And you will, because God's here and you're taking a step. Right before that, I want you to take a minute. I want you to talk to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit speaks to you just like he speaks to me. And I just want you to ask him, say, Holy Spirit, what are the things in my life that need to shift so I can experience breakthrough? And specifically, Lord, what are the things in my life that need to change so I can change the way that I think. And listen to what he tells you. Thanks for listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. We hope this met you exactly where you are. To learn more about us, head to our website at tccde.com or follow us on social media at Trinity Community Church. TCC, a home for you.